everyone. Welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. I'm the owner and editor-in-chief of HorrorGeekLife.com, or site that covers all things horror, geek, and gaming. So last week was the 14th episode of the Horror Geek Podcast, but it was also kind of a relaunch episode. Unfortunately, I've been on hiatus for a couple of months and unable to record, but I'm really happy to be back now. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of horror news. The last time we heard from Chris Columbus talking about a new Gremlins film was back in August of 2017. He talked to Slash telling them that Gremlins 3 was happening, he was writing it, and it was going to be twisted and dark. He said that he wanted to go back to the real twisted sensibility of the first film and that maybe it would be worth losing our sweet precious gizmo because so many people have died around him. However, it seems that the plans have changed. While talking with Metro recently, he was asked about a Goonies 2 update, and he said that his production company, 1492 Pictures, are actively talking about Gremlins. When they asked him if it was going to be a reboot, he said it's almost definitely going to be a reboot. I know by now that reboot, remake, these are really dirty words within the horror community, and almost rightfully so. We've seen a lot of classics from our childhood redone, and sometimes it really works and sometimes it really doesn't. Examples of this really working would be The Hills of Eyes. That is absolutely one remake that I find better than the original. Not that I don't love the original, but the remake is just much more effective, in my opinion. And there are several other examples of remakes working, even if they weren't better than the original, they still brought something new to the table. However, there's a lot of films on the other side of that, such as Cabin Fever, which I'm still not really sure why that was remade so quickly, um, but then also Poltergeist and Nightmare on Elm Street. So can a reboot work for Gremlins? I think if it's just inevitable that we get another film within this series, it probably does need to be a reboot. I just don't see the need for a sequel 30 years down the road. It may be pretty interesting to see this film remade with today's technology, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to have it CGI-centric. When he talked about Gremlins 3 before, Columbus had promised minimal CGI. So if he ends up keeping that minimal and just using it for maybe one-off characters or to hide the wires of puppeteers, maybe things that were a little bit more difficult to handle back in the mid-80s, I can maybe see fans being a little bit more open to it. However, if they end up going pretty heavy on the CGI, I could see a lot of fans straight up rejecting it. It'll also be interesting to see if his script stays dark like he intended for Gremlins 3, or if he lightens up a little bit and makes more family friendly. So there's a lot of what ifs here, and there's no doubt that we'll hear a lot more news coming soon, but that's where it is now. For those of you who are just hanging on a thread waiting for a Goonies 2 update, I'm sorry to tell you that there's really not that much of an update. Columbus said that there has been talk of it, but due to the original stars having such different careers now, plus they're a lot older, it's really not something that they're looking at right now. So definitely don't get your hopes up about that. Continuing the trend of making the old new again, Paramount has announced a plan to bring Mask live action to the big screen. If you grew up in the 80s, you probably remember the very popular kidder toys that came out around 1985, which later spawned an animated TV show, video games, comic books, clothing, and merchandise. It was kind of a mixture of G.I. Joe and Transformers, and it saw the good guys of Mask battle the bad guys of Venom. A few years ago, there was talk of a live-action movie happening, but it never came to fruition. So it seems that Paramount is now going to make that happen. According to Deadline, the studio is going to partner with F. Gary Gray, who was the director on Friday and The Fate of the Furious. They also said that they plan to make it a, quote, contemporary subculture movie with a youth empowerment angle, which, if we're being honest, pretty much sounds like everything we grew up with. Let's just hope that they do it all justice. 
Okay, so into some gaming news and I guess continuing the unintentional theme <laughs> that we have running throughout the show, but Limited Run Games said that Night Trap is coming to the Nintendo Switch. It'll be available physical and digital for the Switch and it's coming this summer. Night Trap is a 1992 game which turned out to be one of the most controversial video games ever made. By today's standard, controversial it is not. However, back in the day, it definitely was. This game, along with Mortal Kombat, actually led to the creation of the rating board, not to mention the actual congressional hearings that went on all about this game. Recently, Limited Run also released it for the PS4 and PC. I picked up a PC copy of the game. I was much too young to play it back in the day, so this was my first time playing the game, and I didn't realize how incredibly hard it really was. <laughs> I've yet to beat it. Um, it is a very frustrating game, but at the same time, it is so cheesy, so campy, and so 80s that it's really hard not to love it. It stars the late Dana Plato, who we all know from different strokes, and it takes place during a slumber party where a special team called SCAT, Special Control Attack Team, try to prevent these creatures called augers from sucking the blood out of the young women who are staying there overnight. You control hidden cameras around the house, set traps, and try to save the women. Now, obviously, the game has a bit of a cult following by now, but when it came out, it was actually rated one of the worst games of all time. But if you want to relive the experience, or if you're like me and playing it for the first time just out of curiosity, and you own a Switch, you can do that here soon. So now for a few of the reviews that we've covered over the last week. The first one is Sock Monster. Um, it is a four-minute movie, and it features Derek Mears, who played Jason in the 2009 reboot of Friday 13th, as a killer sock monster. It sounds really cheesy and kind of like it would border on a horror comedy, but it actually didn't at all. I was really surprised with how terrifying this film was in just four minutes. And the acting, the cinematography, the effects, everything was just so top notch. It's about to start its festival run, so it's not available to the public yet. But if you get a chance to see Sock Monster at a festival or when it becomes available, I definitely recommend you doing that. Another film that we reviewed is Super Troopers 2. There is so much buzz about this film, obviously, because Super Troopers just kind of went huge. And from there, Broken Lizard did two of my favorite comedies, actually, which are Club Dread and Beer Fest. However, our reviewer didn't find Super Troopers as amusing as the first one. His title is actually, Watching Super Troopers 2 is Worse Than Getting a Ticket. <laughs> He did give it one out of five stars, saying that most of their jokes were misses and said that it was nice to see the gang getting back together, but you're probably not going to enjoy it unless you're just an absolute diehard fan. However, we do have another reviewer who enjoyed it a little bit more, so you can probably expect a second opinion article on that here pretty soon. But I'm definitely still going to see it. In gaming reviews, we reviewed Friday the 13th Killer Puzzle. This is from Blue Wizard Digital, and we talked a little bit about it last week on the show. This developer also made Slayaway Camp, which was probably one of the funnest games that I played last year. It's definitely one of the funner puzzle games that I've played in a really long time. While Slayaway Camp had a Jason lookalike, along with other killers from different franchises and movies, Friday the 13th is a licensed Friday the 13th game and features all different types of Jasons. If you've played Slayaway Camp, then you're going to be pretty familiar with the mechanics and the gameplay style for Friday 13th Killer Puzzle. The game is free to play, and he said that it is a ton of fun. He does recommend purchasing the DLC, but it's definitely not needed if you're just looking for a really fun Friday 13th game. That is now available on Steam, Android, and iOS. So now let's talk about eight of the most controversial horror films ever made. One of the earliest accounts of censorship taking place within a horror film was back in 1931 with Frankenstein. 
The scene in which he picks up a little girl, throws her in the lake only to have her drown was a pretty heartbreaking moment, but it was also really important for future filmmakers that wanted to make films that perhaps the masses would be a little bit more offended by or not even approve of altogether. Now, it is pretty interesting to kind of think about what would be considered controversial back in, let's say, the 1960s compared to what we find controversial today. One of the last films that I can really recall having a lot of controversy around as far as horror goes was probably Mother, which was released last year. Now, that's mainly because it did get a theatrical release, plus it starred Jennifer Lawrence, who is an A-lister, so it had a lot more buzz and attention on it than maybe some of the other films that would be on this list. But with that, let's go to the first film on our list, which was 1960s Psycho. Now, again, everything within Psycho is really tame by today's standards. But back in the 1960s, the production code, which kind of outlined the moral guidelines that these production companies should follow, was in decline. And so Alfred Hitchcock took full advantage of that. He showed Janet Leigh in a bra in bed with a man. That was huge for 1960. And of course, it also features Anthony Perkins as a crossdresser. It showed a little bit too much of Janet Lee's body during the iconic shower scene and a toilet flushing. That is right. A toilet flushing was obscene back in the 1960s. If you recall, TV shows from the 1950s and 60s didn't have toilets in their bathrooms because apparently the implication that someone has to use the restroom is just an outrage. Next on our list is 1973's The Exorcist. As one of the most popular horror films ever made, many of us are aware of what 12-year-old Reagan goes through. She goes from a happy-go-lucky girl to possessed by a violent demon. And so that in itself was pretty controversial because it's a pretty religion-heavy story. And you're taking a little girl and making her go from sweet and innocent to demonic. But then you add in this little girl telling her priest, your mother sucks cock in hell, and she starts masturbating with a cross. There is no way that this film was going to be made, especially back in the 70s, without it being highly controversial. If it was released today and received all of the buzz that it did back in the 70s, I could actually still see it having some of the same issues that it did back then. Rumor has it that when The Exorcist was in theaters, it caused heart attacks and vomiting in multiple theaters. So I'm guessing there's a few people back in the 70s who never ate pea soup again. The next film on our list is 1968's Night of the Living Dead, one of the most iconic horror films in all times. Plus, it kicked off the zombie subgenre and it interjected social commentary in a way that was never done before in a horror film. It was released during the Civil Rights Movement, and it was a huge deal to cast African-American Dwayne Jones as the protagonist. It was obvious that Romero didn't give a shit because he took an African-American man and not only put him in the film, but made him the cinematic hero. That was completely unheard of and a really big deal even today. Some of the other controversy comes from the gratuitous violence depicted in the film. Although it had a really small budget, the practical effects were pretty good, especially for the late 60s. And so the chocolate syrup and raw meat looked way too real for a lot of viewers. So when you take a little girl and have her reanimate, eat her father, kill her mother and make it look real, it's going to create some controversy. The film came out one month before the rating system was in effect. And so Young children were able to go to the theater and watch without warning, and it definitely caused a lot of outrage. Many of us probably remember having a friend of a friend of a friend who happened to have a film that had real death scenes in it. That film was usually Faces of Death. The film claims to show actual suicides, deaths, and autopsies, and although much of the footage is fake, there were some real scenes thrown in, so it's just enough to burn those images into your brain. 
Now, it's claimed that the film was banned in 40 plus countries. And while that actually isn't accurate, it was banned in a handful of countries. Next up on my list was 1978's I Spit on Your Grave. Now, if you know the content of this film, you can only imagine the outrage that this caused back in 1978 whenever it came out. The film does not hold back when it comes to brutality against the lead, Jennifer, who's played by Camille Keaton. You actually watch for half an hour as she is nude, ridiculed, gang raped in multiple ways, all before she gets revenge in really shocking ways. The film was labeled a video nasty and it was banned in several countries, with some only allowing a censored version of the film. But just in 2010, the Irish Film Classification Office actually banned the DVD re-release due to violence and cruelty. So here we are in the 2000s and the film is still considered controversial. Now, the next film is the Italian-French film Salo, also titled 120 Days of Sodom, which was released in 1975 and follows four men of wealth and power who kidnap a group of young teenagers of both sexes and subjects them to sexual abuse and torture for their own pleasures over the course of four months. Now, some of the victims are thought to be under the age of 18, and we watch as they are raped, tortured, forced to eat feces. There's a lot of feces in this movie. So if that's something that you really can't handle, <laughs> please don't check out Salo. Trust me. Uh, mutilated and also murdered. It is absolutely easy to see why this film was banned in so many countries. Tragically, the director was killed before he was able to see the release of the film. It's believed that he was going to meet with someone to get back stolen film rolls, but he was attacked and murdered. The next film on this list is 2010's A Serbian Film. I have basically warned everyone who is checking out a Serbian film for the first time that you will experience a Serbian hangover for about a week. After watching this film, there's really no way that you're not affected by what you watch. You kind of question humanity, you think about really depressing things, and there's just kind of a black cloud over your head until you get the film out of your mind enough. It follows a retired porn star who agrees to get featured in an artistic pornographic film in exchange for financial security. However, at first, he isn't aware that the film that he's getting involved with includes pedophilia, necrophilia, rape, incest, and murder. On top of all that, it has one of the most depressing endings I think I've ever seen. The film was banned in multiple countries, including South Korea, Australia, Norway, Germany, Brazil, New Zealand, Singapore, and there were cuts ordered before release in many other countries. In response to the criticism, the director spoke out on the film and said that it represents the issues that Serbian people deal with every day in their own country and with the government. There is a documentary coming out from Unearthed Films that will dive into a lot more of the meanings behind the film. The number one film on this list is the Italian film Cannibal Holocaust. It revolutionized the found footage subgenre and it brought a type of realistic horror that people had never seen before. In fact, it looked so authentic that it was accused of being a stuff film. The director had to go to court and provide proof that nobody was killed or impelled for the sake of making this film. He even had to share the methods that they used for the practical effects. The director was arrested and charged with obscenity 10 days after its premiere. Despite proving that all of the actors were indeed safe, there were six actual animal deaths and a seventh that wasn't used in the film. The killings include two monkeys getting decapitated, a pig being shot at point-blank range, a boa constrictor getting killed with a machete, and a large turtle decapitated and taken apart. Because of the animal cruelty and graphic violence, the film was banned in many countries, with some sources claiming up to 50. Although it was released 40 years ago, it's still a pretty hot topic with censorship boards. But in 2005, Australia finally revoked the long-time ban, but it was banned again in New Zealand. 
So even though it might look a little dated in 2018, I think it belongs number one on this list because of the controversy that it brought upon release and the authentic footage and graphic effects. And now it's time for the recommendation of the week. This week, I have to recommend Pixel Pals. Pixel Pals are really adorable, light up, pixelated characters. They are officially licensed, and right now they have collections from Sega, Capcom, Bethesda, Nintendo, Nickelodeon, Warner Brothers, and Insomniac Games. The lights run for $15, but there are some sets that run between $20 and $30. And I know from a conversation with the company back at PAX South in January that they have some really cool horror characters coming because of some licenses that they got approved for. So if you want to check this out, you can visit the website at pdp.com. And if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you probably have already seen some of my collection, which include the Fallout 4 Vault Boy, Raphael from Ninja Turtles, Batman, and Super Mario. And I'm sure I'll add a few more along the way, especially now that they're going to get some more horror characters. And now that I'm seeing their new Mortal Kombat set, definitely some good stuff there. So again, check them out at pdp.com. So that wraps up the 15th episode of the Horror Geek Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And I'll be back next week bringing you more horror geek and gaming. For more information about our podcast, you can check out horrorgeeklife.com and click on the podcast link. We're also now on iTunes, Google Play, and most other podcatchers. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Horror Geek Life. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Horror Geek Mel. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week. Bye. <laughs>